This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Tam heads to Hornved, so United court Jack. And Dundee take gardening leave. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams. And we're back to a full compliment because... Well, I, I'm assuming you were on holiday or were you away on a secret mission, Alan Temple? Can you not tell by this beautiful brown colour and my summer pastels? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, maybe just fell in some sewage on the way <laughs> in this one and I don't know. That's the kind of life I live, clearly. <laughs> and also here are George Cran. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. But not here, chaps, as in the city of Dundee, is Tam Courts. That was a nice first day back for you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny sitting, you know, you, you kind of think to yourself, Dundee United finished the season well, they qualified for Europe. It's going to be quite a sedate, close season, can comfortably go away for a couple of weeks and lie on a beach. And then we news breaks of Tam going away to, to speak to Rijeka, which obviously didn't pan out, but he has indeed found himself off in a... In a exotic new adventure in uh, in the east end of Europe. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's a hell of a turn-up. Uh, I don't think anybody, when Dundee United concluded the campaign by beating Ross County, would have said a matter of weeks later, uh, Tam Courts would be the manager of Budapest Hornvet. It's, um, it's, Actually, I was just going to say, <laughs> you, George and Alan, too young, but Bear, how the mighty have fallen. When we were lads, you didn't have to say where Hornved were from, did you? No, no. Hornved were a very no, famous history, European yeah. club. <laughs> it was, it was good. But it's either Hornved Hungary or Hornved Budapest. I do, I do like the fact that you know everybody knows that Dundee United are a club that can sometimes labour under the weight of its own history. You know, so many wonderful successes, but Tam's gone from that to, you know. The club that brought through Ferenc Puskas. Aye, no <laughs> so, pressure there. <laughs> he just—he really loves to have a lot to live up to yeah. this time. But it's uh, no, I mean, uh, it's it's a, a real turn up for the books. And but to be fair, not quite as strange as one might imagine. And certainly strange as the Rijeka link seems to be. You go through Rijeka, and you still to this very moment until we actually get the chance to speak to Tam, you wonder, you know, where that one came from and, and why he was such a, uh, a prominent candidate for that role. And he was, he absolutely was. But the Budapest Hornved role makes far more sense. The sporting director there is uh, a guy called Chris Doherty, who actually succeeded Tam Courts as head of um, tactical development at Dundee United prior to and moving on to to Croatia and uh, and then uh, on to Budapest Hornved, so it's there's a connection there. They remain really close. So he's got a, a team around him there. He's got a familiar face, and it's not quite as random uh, as uh, as certainly looks like from the outside. But it's certainly a big task for him. They finished tenth in the league last season. They're a club with a weight of history on their shoulders. So he's certainly not taking an easy job, um, and leaves Dundee United looking to, to what's next. Yeah, and Baird, I mean, I looked a wee bit, not too, I didn't get as far back as Pushkas, but I did wonder about him. But what I did look at was, I think, their fall to 10th in their own division, which is way too low, and it will be for their fans, has come in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. They were still qualifying for Europe two or three years ago. And 
a bit like again going back to when we were lads first with Dundee in the 70s then United into the 90s fans remember that and fans expect so he, he, he's taking on a pressure job mm-hmm. isn't he mm-hmm. no absolutely but uh, it's a probably a good place for him to start Tom you know if, you, if you're going somewhere where a team has been doing particularly well George then, I think you sing the only way is up now yeah exactly <laughs> if you're going someplace where the team has been doing well and, and it can be tough because fans will expect that success to continue now it'll be interesting to see if Tam can can you know work the magic. I mean, his reputation certainly isn't damaged by Dungeon United. His spell at Dungeon. United. In fact, many would say it has been enhanced by what he did. Oh, definitely at Dungeon United. You know, so um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a mind-boggling switch. And 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 as as career path, <laughs> if you look at his from from the Kelty Hearts to the Academy at Tannadice. Kelty Hearts and the juniors. Yes, yeah. to, to the Academy at Tannadice. Uh, into the, the the top job at Tannis in terms of the footballing position as a manager or head coach if you like to call it, and now going abroad into one of you know a club that's steeped in history in uh, Hungary um, you know what what an opportunity for him you know and uh, the good thing is he, he has connections there as we've already seen I, I'm really looking forward to and hopefully you will get an interview with him Alan and, and get a chance to speak to him and hopefully he will reveal exactly you know, uh, the thinking behind the move and, you know, just, just what he's... Alan Sighton, as we speak, yeah. Tam only does face-to-face yeah. interviews <laughs> in Budapest. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. No phone. <laughs> exactly, but it's, it's just a great opportunity for Tam Course to go and, you know, expand his knowledge of the game and, you know, and for him to sort of get his name out there within the European circle as well. If he does well there, you know, what else is on the agenda for Tam Courts? Hmm. Just, it just seems an upward curve at this moment in time. And good luck, Tam. Yeah, and George, when we were speaking about uh, Tam Courts possibly leaving for wreckage of uh, Croatia, I think I got the pronunciation <laughs> right there. <laughs> uh, Turning their fans right week, on this podcast. We, we made the point, strangely enough, and we've used that very word several times in the, over the last year uh, as United climbed to fourth in the league. Not all United fans will be sad to see him go because he didn't have, I think he had the majority on side, but there was certainly a, a reasonable number who wanted to see better performances mm. on the park. But if you're looking at it from afar, he took he took a team that finished ninth mm-hmm. to fourth and got them back into Europe for the first time in 10 years. That's the kind of thing that clubs that want a resurgence look at. Yeah, a club like Honved who were 10th last yeah. season, they're, they're looking to get up to the kind of European spot. So, I, yeah, it, it's, I think uh, for him personally, it was a good time to to make the move because his, his CV looks really good at the moment. He's it had does. one year as a senior manager and he's finished fourth and got European football for a club that hasn't been in Europe for, for a decade. And, I mean, and a league that had a European finalist as well. So that always, that too, that always yeah. helps a bit too. So, yeah, I think it's sometimes you have to strike while the iron is hot to chuck in a... Crap cliche, but because um, you know how much I, I love that was him. my job. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, go for it. I think from a United point of view, it's just what seems to happen now. That's three and three years, that, and the club. But the club continues to to move on and progress. That Robin Nielsen left after they'd well, obviously pandemic came in, but they, they won the league. 
they came up and then they came out. Dundee in there. <laughs> they won the league because the pandemic. Dundee were going well, to go on a great run in the final quarter. <laughs> no, United, United <laughs> had already won it. Um, and then Mickey Mellon came in, steadied the ship and disappeared. And Did a better came. job than, all, again, a lot yeah. of fans gave them credit for because it was so. their first season back. Exactly. And it, it takes time for a, a club to get from the, the championship up to the position United are in at the moment, but they've done it in just a couple of years and they've done it with usually if a manager leaves it's, it's a bit of upheaval but the system they seem to have in place doesn't seem to be affected too much by a manager disappearing I think their feeling is it looks good for them because they've, they've basically developed Tamcourt into a, a first team manager and he's moved on to a good job in Europe now they can look for the next man And Talking so, of which yeah. Alan, the king is dead Long live the king, whoever that may be. Tony Ashgar has said a couple of days ago that they have a preferred candidate. I wonder who that is. It's the worst kept secret in Dundee, isn't it? No, it's, it's, it's Jack Ross. If Jack Ross or, or traitor Jack Ross is bearing, <laughs> I call him. Um, he was just waiting for the right job in Dundee. Don't, oh, don't, don't be salty oh, about oh. it. Um, oh, his microphone's gone off. <laughs> it's, it's if Jack Ross isn't the Dundee United manager by the time the club report for pre-season next week, then something has gone horribly wrong that is unforeseen by both parties. I should t- stop you there, Alan, and point out, given our predictions in the last two weeks <laughs> yeah. while you've been away, if Jack Ross isn't the Dundee United manager by the end of this podcast, or someone else is, <laughs> we'll just be relieved. I was going to say, <laughs> I was, had a nightmare. I Sean go- Maloney, we had... Well, or, well, we were right about Tam Court's leaving last week. But, uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> wrong country. We're, we're, we're all about 900 miles away. I was uh, going to say, I was I was listening, I was, I was lying on the beach listening to that podcast where you spent 20 minutes talking about Sean Maloney. <laughs> and then five days later, I'm thinking, Christ, what a waste of my time that was. <laughs> but hey, no, listen, things change in football. Things can change fast, but I wouldn't envisage things to change uh, sufficiently fast to Kai Bosch, Jack Ross to Dundee United. Um, I think he's keen, the club are really keen. And... He's a really good appointment as, as far as I'm concerned. He's experienced with big clubs, um, he's, and he's won first. You know, he's won full season in charge of of Hibs. He finished third, got them into Europe. Um, I think we did. He have a great start to the season where he was did dismissed. You just call him a diddy. <laughs> no, that's what I heard. <laughs> I was going to give me a chance to get my rhetorical question out. Did he have a good start to the season when he was dismissed by Hibs? Absolutely not. However. I think we saw that um, it could get a hell of a lot worse um, yeah. when, when Maloney was appointed. And he'd surely the, done enough before that yeah. to be allowed about six months. Yeah, I, I know for a fact there was a lot of players upset when when Jack left. I think there was a feeling in there that he would have turned things around. So uh, he's got a championship title under his belt with, um, with St Mirren down to Sunderland. Obviously, you don't get Sunderland promoted out of League One, then you're deemed a failure. Yeah. However... Got to Wembley twice. He's been to Hamden more times than I can count. I realise that there's this perception that he doesn't quite get over the line. He, fin- you know, he, f- he falls at the hurdle um, and and doesn't get that trophy in his hands, which can frustrate supporters. However, his record of t- taking teams to to major finals to showpiece occasions at Wembley and Hamden is is great, and and that's something United will be really keen to to build upon. They've got fourth place last season, but the cup performances weren't good enough. You know, Dundee United are a team that 
should be looking to get to Hamden on a regular basis, should be challenging for one of those uh, one of those national trophies. So that'll be something that they'll be hoping Jack can can build on. And I think he's a he's a really exciting appointment. You look around the marketplace of managers right now, um, I don't think you can point me to a better realistic candidate. So and you look at the respective CVs, there's an argument that can be made that Dundee United this summer have upgraded um, from Tam Courts to, to Jack Ross. Yeah, I think, I mean, Tam Courts, as you said, Bear, was a bold appointment. Um, and you, you sort of think, oh, United will have a wee look around. But in that league, you have to speak to Jack Ross, mm -hmm. don't you? Because he's a standout candidate. Yeah, and you know, the. the the fact that he was available, you know, to, to take the job, he wasn't employed by anyone else, obviously, you know, um, I think United moved quick enough to get him. That was that's, that's that was key, you know, I think that from, from early doors when they realised that Tam Courts was going to be leaving Tannadice, I think Jack Ross very quickly became their, their choice and it looks very much so, as Alan says, unless something unforeseen happens on both sides, but, you know, Jack Ross will be the Dundee United manager. Um, and like Alan says, you know, you could be regarded as an upgrade. I think the problem Jack Ross has is, well, Tam Coates maybe didn't play a standard of football that many at Tandice would like to see. He's managed to get that team into the fourth spot into Europe. And that, that level of expectation will continue next season. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the that's It's the, a harder that's job taking over Dundee United this summer than that's, it was last. That's the bar that has been set by, by Tam Courts. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very high bar. There's going to be a lot of challenges there for Jack Ross. And you just wonder if if Jack Ross will be wonder, uh, working under the same, not restrictions, I would say, but the same template. And I imagine he will be. Tam Courts was, was in the job and he, he was, he was uh, tasked with bringing through many of the academy players, will Jack Ross be tasked with doing exactly the same and expected to produce the results the way that, that, that Tam Courts did? But I'm sure he can do that. And, and as Alan says, his record, especially for getting to finals is, 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 and getting good league positions is, is terrific. Um, and Alan, Alan's, I'm going back to your term, you were speaking about him, but you're saying maybe sometimes he didn't get over a line, but here, Let's be honest, unless you're manager of Celtic and Rangers in this country, how many managers do actually get over the line in terms of getting silverware in their hands? There isn't really that many. I've got to say as well, Jack Ross, you know, he knows this city. He spent, uh, as a kid, he spent a couple of years here at, at a team, well, he was at Dundee. He also spent Roomed a couple with of, Neil McCann as he a also spent, spent a couple of years on the books of Lockheed United um, when his career part in, uh, not no disrespect to Lockheed United, but he fell out of the senior game but forced himself back into it again. And he's had to do a similar sort of thing in management as well, I would suggest. So, yeah, he's got that desire. I think he's, he, he was hurt by what happened to Hibs, and, and rightly so. And I think that that'll have, you know, that might give him a wee sort of mm -hmm. spur to, to sort of show what he can do at Dundee United. So it's, it will be, when it comes, an exciting appointment. And I think the fans can be quite happy with it. Just to touch up yeah. on the, you know, that failure to go over the line and, and win trophies. This is a conversation I've had with, you know, a, a few people, particularly when he was coming in for heavy criticism for not getting over the line with, with Hibs. And it's such a strange quirk of of football sometimes that you can get more criticism for reaching a final and then not you get to and then and then not turning up mm -hmm. for that final and not getting over the line than you would if you got knocked out in the fourth round. You know, mm. it's such a strange... Lose to Rangers and Celtic four times in the league, nobody bats an eye. Lose yeah. them in a final and you're a failure. I mean, mm. don't get me wrong, there are games they should, they should have under Jack should have done way better and they, they shouldn't have lost in pretty much exactly the same manner 
uh, to St Johnston at Hampton so many yeah. times that showed a lack of uh, of tactical fluidity. It, showed, it didn't seem to learn a lesson. So there are criticisms there, but it's something that forever uh, baffles me that a manager can be pilloried for being perceived as, you know, I'm going to use other people's words, a bottler when it comes to getting to Hamden and Wembley. It's nonsense. You don't get to showpiece occasions if you're a bottler. You lose way earlier. You you don't make it to those yeah. those matches. So it's it's a strange thing that Jack's come in for so much criticism um, for, for just falling at the final hurdle when so many other teams, by definition, every other team other than two don't even reach that final hurdle. Yeah. Didn't know he played for Lockheed United. I know, that was a good fact. I didn't yeah, realise yeah, that either. Yeah, yes. I don't yes. want to give away my part of the tune roots, but how's he going to take the step down from yeah, the Mighty well, <laughs> to anyone else? Absolutely. In the city? I, I would say that myself and be an ex Lockheed United man. But no, he did well and he actually played. Lockheed United got to the semi final of the Scottish Junior Cup in 1996, I think. The game was played at Tannadice. May have, it been, was, may have been against Camelon, I can't remember. But Lockheed actually, he played in that game and they lost, lost 2 1. Another and losing final. Yeah, <laughs> here's, here's, here's one. Here's one for was, Anna. That, was the great Davy Martin manager then? Davy Martin was I'm the sure he shouted at the final whistle. Yeah. It was Jack Ross's fault. Well, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll not be surprised to know that I, I've spoken to Davy quite a lot in, in the recent uh, couple of weeks, uh, past few weeks, um, and we we're talking about that semi-final, and he reminded me that obviously Jack played in that game, but he said Jim Smith. He said he got sent off after about 20 minutes. I know. He says, cost us that semi-final. <laughs> and Jim Smith was one of the nicest guys going, did a great job for looking at former Dundee Former player. Dundee. And it was something, it was an off-the-ball incident, but it was something Jim Smith never, ever did in his career. But he did that <laughs> night and the referee spotted it. Didn't need VAR. He was off the park. Jim went on to join the police, so I would yeah. just like to say, Jim, I don't hold you responsible <laughs> in any way. It was a bad decision by the referee, if you ask me. But back to... Back to United, George. Something the lad said there, and I'll put it to you just just because you haven't spoken for a few minutes. There's no ulterior <laughs> motive here, but the fact United have managed to make it clear that Jack Ross is the man without saying anything that's going to tie them to that, mm-hmm. is that a lesson for other clubs? Like, don't say you've got five on a shortlist and he's one of them. When he well, is the standard yeah, candidate, yeah. I mean, he still would be appointed. So, ah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, talking, yeah, I guess so. But they never. It was, it was in the press, so they, Dundee can always can always say that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was that was a strange. What I'm way saying to go is, about it's it. nice to be it's nice to be wanted, even for an experienced manager like Jack Cross. Of course, and when jobs come up, and he's been linked very close to the Dundee job a few times now over the, the past few years. Um, so as soon as the, that job came up and Jack Ross was available he was always going to be the man they wanted obviously he didn't want that job so they moved on and now he's got and I mean in, in bare in fairness possibly again going back to fans of our age and older it's not like we've got a history of the one that got away and went to United and we'll need to pay for that <laughs> no, is no, it? no 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 we, we, we can't remember that at all in fact we've tried to raise that from our memory what actually happened Jim McHugh? That yeah, McHugh, yeah. what a statue <laughs> just, just on uh, Jack Ross if he does as we all expect end up at Tannadice Alan is there any talk who he might bring in as an assistant because I mean it was John Potter was that, is that right who was at, at Hibs with yeah he was, he's been close to John Potter he's previously worked with James Fowler, he's previously worked with Craig right. Sampson, although I wouldn't expect that to be the case because Dundee United have only just appointed Craig, Craig Hinchcliffe as a goalkeeping coach. But I don't think there'll be a 
a dramatic turnover in staff because uh, and in one of these strange twists of fate that you get, uh, Jack Ross attempted to take Liam Fox to Hibs last summer. It was very, very close to being a done deal to the point where most people at Hibs expected mm-hmm. to see you know, Liam Fox turning up for pre-season training. However, Dundee United swooped in and made uh, Liam an offer that he couldn't refuse to be Tam's number two at Dundee United. So with that in mind, I know for a fact, you know, Jack really rates Liam Fox. They've worked together briefly at Hearts before. So I think that's another tick in the mm-hmm. box in mm-hmm. terms of Jack going in there and having somebody right. that he really rates as a coach. Now, would Liam stay in his number two role or would Jack like to hand pick a number two I'm I'm not entirely sure I mean you would note that perhaps you know James Fowler is out of work now so that's a an interesting one that's out there but that'll all come out in the wash Mm -hmm. but what I would say is it's definitely a positive and you know one of these unforeseen coincidences that Liam Fox is there someone that Jack has actually actively tried to recruit before onto one of his coaching staff so as he goes in there um, you know, it won't feel quite so so unfamiliar because we all know that it's uh, it can be a whirlwind when a manager talks about going into a, a new mm. role and having a, a, a voice there that you can trust to give you the lowdown on the players tactically how you were working the way things can perhaps develop that's going to be a godsend on day one again should Jack Ross be the man that walks in on day one and rounding up any other business at Tannerice Alan, is Ian Harks just the slowest writer in the world? <laughs> <laughs> When's he going to sign this contract? Yeah, um, that's that's a done deal, effectively. Um, Fairness, is he on holiday or something? Like yeah, well, he's judging by uh, Nicky Clark's Instagram of, of <laughs> yeah. him uh, out so, on, a, on a boat with Ian Harks. Um, uh, I, I could have been the swan ponds. <laughs> I was going to say, it didn't look like the ferry. <laughs> so so um, I think they're probably still on holiday. And I would be, I mean, I wouldn't say this definitively. I certainly wouldn't want to, you know, scoop Dundee United's announcement. I'd be very surprised if that deal hasn't been signed already. However, football clubs have priorities of things that they maybe want to announce and when they would like to announce it. And when you're in the process of recruiting and then potentially announcing your new manager, you maybe don't drop out one, yeah. of your, one of your marquee contract renewals at that time. So it's no cause for panic. That's a, a done deal effectively, and it'll be announced when it's announced. That's uh, that's one that Dundee United fans can be relaxed about, and it's one that they can be really happy with, because Ian Harks, I know he's, he's one of these players that can sometimes divide opinion a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure if it's kind of the way he can sometimes come across as slightly languid, sometimes maybe doesn't affect every aspect of the game over the course of a 90 minutes but in terms of big moments big decisive moments the the winner in the the winner in the derby the the, the goal at Celtic Park that got the draw he got a player of the month last season he, he, winner against Aberdeen at, at Tanadice big goals big moments and I think when he was missing in the team you saw what Dundee United lose when Ian Harks isn't there in terms of that ability to break the lines and play killer passes and find little pockets of space and in attacking midfield, exactly what they were missing when it got a little bit stodgy, a little bit um, impotent at times towards the end of the season. Yeah, I was going to say, I watched France-Croatia the other night and I would, anyone that bemoans the lack of a 40-yard defence splitting pass from Ian Harks, go and watch France's midfield in that game. Sideways and backwards. I wondered why they didn't score. They've got two of the best strikers in the world and the, mm-hmm. the past their centre-halves their midfield. Ian Harks, by carrying the ball, like you yep. say, breaks the lines. Mm. He takes the ball up into to an area of the pitch where it, if something comes off, it's a goal opportunity. Yeah. 
I think but, more and more United fans have realised what Ian Hart brings to the team since he's been missing. I, would say. I was just going to compliment the club as well because Ian Hart's obviously out of contract. He could have carved himself a pretty good deal somewhere else, I would imagine. So the fact that United have put something on the table that he's likely to sign is, is you know, hats off to hats off to the owners and everybody tries to forget. Since him. you're speaking, yeah. Bear, would it be fair? And I've had my nostalgia head on already today. Would it be fair to say he's Dundee United's 2020s version of Gavin Ray? Somewhere. Because people used yeah. to people used to enthuse yeah. about Georgie Nemzadze, who was yeah. in the same mi midfield as Gavin. But what Gavin did was get the ball up the yeah. park and then brought Geor Georgie yeah, into yeah. play. And uh, that's what Ian Harks does. Now, if he's not got a creative passer beside him, that's something yeah. for the manager to sort out. Isn't I would it? say Gavin's probably a bit, a bit more physical, but yeah. bigger in size. But but in, in terms of how they played the game, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, box to box. And... and, and it's it's unusual in Scottish football because nowadays the way the way the game's played, it is played side to side, Tom. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, as you've said, France didn't mind nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. As you said, we don't mind watching teams going side to side, but if you're not going anywhere, what's the right. what's the point? You know, and you, it's good off something in your midfield. You know that goes. He looks to the side. There's nothing on. He looks at the other side. There's nothing on. If there's a space in front of him, he'll take that space and. You can see just and it commits it commits defenders to come out and, and say what we're going to do here. Somebody's going to have to challenge, and it creates space, and he's got a goal on him as well. So what's not to like? And very briefly, another news. Nice to see. Was it? I always call him Mari, but is it Il Mari or Il Mari Niskanen revealing that he sought the help of a sports psychologist when he wasn't playing too well last season at United. Yeah, so that interesting because he, he looks like he doesn't look like a boy that would need a sports psychologist because every time he plays, he plays with an absolute smile on his face, a lad. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm. sure if it was because of the fact he was actually having to play it right back for most of the season <laughs> rather than as a right winger. But um, no, seriously, yeah. But yeah, it's it seems a good yeah, he good, comes out and says good that. that he's able to say that. And you know, you know, it, it, it seems to have worked for him. You know, so it just shows you what goes on behind the scenes. It's not all about just stepping on the park on a, on a Saturday. I would also say that it's a real testament to whoever the member of the Dundee United coaching staff is that suggested that to him. Ilmari didn't actually he didn't actually mention who that was, which is understandable because he actually references the fact that that Dundee United coach. Uh, also sees that particular sports mm. psychologist so obviously he wouldn't want to kind of breach confidence in that regard but whoever it is that's in that Dundee United backroom staff that maybe saw that a player was a little bit down wasn't himself around the club and made that suggestion and was switched on enough to say listen you might benefit from this that's fantastic that's absolutely superb and in 2022 that's exactly what we you know should be doing if a player's not himself you don't shout it out of them you know you kind of get to know them and get to know what uh, what actions might might help in that regard so um, the more of that the the better and yeah kudos to, to Dundee United's backroom staff for being you know switched on enough and if that's the kind of thing that they're doing with every player in terms of you know keeping an eye on on how they're they're getting on and and how they're feeling that's just uh, absolutely to be commended yeah I mean I, I must I don't know exactly how it came about but the, the one thing that did occur to me I might have said to them son it's your first season calm down if you, if, you feel, if you feel like this, you know, after 18 months, two years in the Scottish game, yeah, because it's it's worthwhile. But I did wonder if if it was slightly premature, 
not in the not from the point of view of the help you could get, but just just a word saying him. It's your first season. Mm. Yeah, you just settle in. He this, definitely he definitely beats himself up a lot. Uh-huh. You can you re, you know when you look which at which might inter- be a reason to accelerate that. You, you know you look at the some of his interviews and he's very candid in assessment of his own performances and his own faults and that is helpful at times if it drives you on to be a better player. You know having that realistic assessment of your own game. However. It, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete, I don't know, but I'd imagine it can also be unhelpful in the sense that um, if if you're beating yourself up too much, mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, there, there will be a negative aspect of that. It needs to, you know, accentuate the positives. And although his season wasn't perfect last season, there were absolutely yeah. positives to build on. He started off really well, though, yeah, didn't absolutely. he? That's probably yeah. part of it. Yeah. Really. And he wasn't helped by starting off as a left winger mm-hmm. and coming to the club as a left winger, where obviously your numbers are going to be a lot better and then playing left wing back for the, the remainder mm-hmm. of the season. So, uh, you know, there's there's for a man settling in, in a brand new country, there's a lot of mitigating factors. So, yeah, if, if he's listening, don't beat yourself up too much. No, quite late too. Now we'll move on. Right, I think maybe... Uh, before we cross the road completely, we can stand in the middle of Tannadice Street and look at both grounds. Nice to see Jim McIntyre back in football. A big favourite at Dundee United as a player. He won't be remembered well as a manager uh, at Dundee, though I have to say, his short time at Dundee, I was very impressed by his thinking. It just started badly and it, it never recovered. But it's nice to see him up at Cove replacing another ex-Dundee manager, Paul Hartley. Why do they all get good jobs after they leave Dens, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it was a, th- a thankless task for him at Dens, but he he took the the gig, Tommy. Yeah, he was right. up for it. I think when he came in, he knew it was a salvage operation. He, I mean, he had a look at he had a, he had, a, he had a month or so or a couple of months with the squad. He felt that they weren't strong enough and made... M- made a huge gamble and, and was given the opportunity to make a huge gamble to be fair by the board and, and go and bring in so many players I mean George will probably tell me how many it was but it was a complete new team hmm. almost and it, 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 it failed to work in fact there is a case to say that they actually got poorer after that at that point in time it, you know things disintegrated a wee bit as, we, as we've seen all too often when Dundee have been in the top flight at times but yeah you're right he is a good manager I think he's proved that, and it's good to see him back in the game. And he's he's at a, he's at a, a good club. He's at a good club where the, plans the, to go full time. Yeah, in the next couple but of years. there won't be a huge weight of expectation yeah. upon him up there. But he will be able to. He is working uh, in the division. You know, Cove has been sort of everything has been promotion, promotion, league titles. It won't be that, but success will be if he keeps him in that division next season. And I wouldn't bet against him, Tom. No, definitely not. But George, moving to. Dundee completely and moving seems to be the word. Mm-hmm. Gardine Road, here they come. Big move. Um, pretty much moving out at the ends for the, the work. The good, days. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I, I popped up to see the, the new the new digs yesterday and it's really impressive. I think it's a big step forward for the club. Uh, John Nelms called it transformational and it's, when, you, when you see it, it's difficult to disagree um, it's a shame to see them leave Dens Park because of the, the history and tradition but it's feeling its age now um, obviously the offices and all that st- sort of stuff and the, the changing rooms and everything's in the the main stand and it's a very old building now um, it's part of it to be quite brutal an aesthetic thing and a fashion thing that 
I saw John Elms mention, oh, the players get report to Dens and get bust to training mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And really, in real world terms, so what? It's only a 10-minute journey. It's only a 15-minute journey. But the bottom line is, you have to live in the world you live in. If you're trying to sign a player, yeah. players, mm-hmm. players these days like to go to the training centre from Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, down to Dundee, Dundee United, Aberdeen, whatever. And it's really... It may be a a, a perception thing, but I think it also affects the players as well. I would say if they think the the setup for training isn't as professional as it should be for a a team in the the top flight in Scotland, then they're going to that's going to start to affect them eventually and grumble start and, yeah. and all that sort of negativity. You don't need that. And um, it's not managers will tell you never give players an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And bringing in a, a new manager, it's, it's a kind of new start and Gordon Strachan's obviously making more of an impact on the, the first team match. I think this is part of it. I think he's maybe been in John Elms's ear and saying this isn't for a modern football club, the setup of... yeah not having a, a dedicated training place for your team isn't isn't up to scratch. Uh, and the players having to come into the ends and then drive down to Riverside or the RPC sometimes and then all in their own cars and then all drive back. It's just not ideal. Um, the big thing, they've got lunches back as well, which was a big grumble for all the players last year. Um, <laughs> which you'd think would it should be a basic thing for... A, Top flight football club to provide yeah, because lunch for Let's, let's so. be brutal about it. And, and I include myself when I was that age. Most players are in their 20s and you would never trust someone in their 20s <laughs> to make their own dinner. I think so. And there's also the social thing and you get all the players together yeah. and eating together. It's a good team bonding sort of thing. But yeah, I, I was very impressed. Obviously, the staff have just moved in this week. It's, it's a new open plan office. It's all kind of getting up to to scratch some of the players were up to get things ready for all the players coming in next week they're going to start training there next week the pitches the pitches are okay up there but I think Dundee want to upgrade them to a bit more kind of top flight standard they're, they're digging up uh, one section of it to put in a new uh, pitch using the same soil they use it dense part of the same grass I assume I'm not a groundsman obviously I don't know anything about this sort of stuff but they want to make it as exact as close to the pitch at dense park as they possibly can dimensions, same dimensions also, yeah, yeah that's always a good idea and obviously they want the surface to be the same so that's that's a, very much a step forward I would say and it's the, the other thing that I was told they're very impressed with the the way the the building set up for them as a as a company in a football club, they're looking at that as their kind of blueprint for when they build their own place down the line. We'll wait and see if that happens, when that happens. But that's... George saw yeah. my eyebrows go up when he said when. Um, they want to kind of base their plans on what's already there. So that's that tells you how much they, they, they're pleased with the place. And also, again, you and I knowing the local geography, like these two, Dinny. They're leaving an excellent facility underfoot at Riverside. They're going to what we know traditionally has always been a much admired uh, facility in terms of pitches at Gardine Road. The one advantage it's got is just that wee bit in land and wee bit more shelter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it makes a big difference, Tom, because we have been, as as 
We've all been in tears. Yeah. Even going for a walk some days is virtually impossible down there. But and you just get in line a bit. And, and they did the best in the trees and stuff. Trees yeah. and stuff yeah. gave it a bit of shelter. Make, but can, still. Make, can make a huge difference. And I've, I, you know, I've, I've played games at Gardine Road, and, and as George says, that the pitches are generally good, and Dundee will upgrade them if they're, if they're using their own staff to look. They've after already them. started. Yeah. Yes, and, and so that, that will improve. And it's a lovely area, and it's nice. It's, it's secluded as well, Tom. And I, I think that's a good step. I think so, it's a step yeah. in the right direction. They'll, they'll come there, and, and and you know that'll be their base. Effectively, Georgia take it. Just the players will turn up there and leave from there. And yeah, that's it. That, that's everything we've done there. Years, and yeah. They'll have they'll have all sort of meeting facilities there for the players and changing mm-hmm. facilities and everything else. So it's yeah, it, it's a step in the right direction. And uh, um, yeah, hopefully the players appreciate it because well, you're talking about you know for a, for a modern top flight club. Well, I can guarantee you that it might be for a modern top flight club, but clubs in the championship, there will be many clubs in the championship mm. will be scrambling around and training on public parts, a lot of them, just the best they can get their hands on, if not AstroTurf for a lot of the time, which isn't ideal. So, uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully it can benefit Dundee, and we'll see, we'll see the fruits of that on the park <laughs> next season. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the, the thing. It only works really if things yeah. work on the pitch, as, yeah, all, as these things always do. I'm sure this Alan would like to point out and it's in the end it is still results that matter, yeah. but everything that helps you get results is a good thing. I'm still reeling from that lunch revelation. Yeah. No wonder they got relegated. <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor, poor, poor cats. <laughs> yeah. Getting out muscled as their stomachs rumble. <laughs> poor guys. No, it's um It's surprise surprisingly basic thing and obviously it's just a, a grumble that happens because they speak to players at other clubs and it's obviously yeah there are many yeah. there are many I, I don't really know of many championship clubs that would yeah. prov- provide that that's that's su- surprised me but no I, I, as you say it's a a results based business but it's a positive move isn't it you know mm. all the arguments for staying at Dens are entirely emotional rather than logistical and if Dundee are going to progress and impress potential new signings and look to craft a new side that will challenge for promotion then uh, this uh, can it could only be a, a positive move and uh, something that i'm sure gary boyer will be uh, delighted to take advantage of and there's also been people again especially people of my age and i'll say oh but you know it's good to turn up to the stadium then you're familiar with it and but almost every other level of football people maybe because it's their part-time or their amateur they don't see the pitch they play on mm-hmm. until an hour before the game. Yeah, I would counter that, Tom. I think it's it's quite good. I think it, keeping away from the ground. I mean, obviously you've got to know the stadium, but but staying away until an actual match day, I think it gives you a lift. You're coming into something that's different on them, and you get you get that extra buzz. Of, you know, maybe spur you on a wee bit. I want to actually hit the stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something you're not going. To, you know, another day here. It could yeah. be any day walking through those doors. It's a match day, so it gets your focus straight away. You know, you're coming in for what you're paid to do. This is this is where all that work you've done at Gardine Road through the mm. week. This is where it, it, it counts now. Let's go and do it. So, yeah. Yeah, fu- it's funny you should yeah. say that because a, a lot of older players um, have said to me in the past when AstroTurf pitches were coming in at Stadia, so clubs played all their games, understandably, mm-hmm. right down to youth level on in their own stadium, but older players said, you know, it was something I remember, like some Morris Malpass, and you know, getting to play on Tanadice was something special. When you were coming through the ranks at your club, you felt you've made another step in the right direction because you were getting to play on the mm. pitch that the first team got to play on. And 
so it's maybe not a bad thing that they're away from the stadium. Yeah, I think it's a mental. As I say, I think it's a mental thing. That, you know, it may help their focus when it when it comes to actually the bread and butter stuff of, of winning games on a Saturday. Let, let's hope so. Let's hope yeah. so. And they get, yeah. they get a facility guard down road that that is a quality facility. And as you said, George, if they get a pitch up there that replicates what they have at Dens, yeah. Then you know, hopefully, hopefully that they'll be used to playing on whatever width they've got Dens next season. If they're bringing <laughs> it in or they're widening it. That they're quite comfortable doing it because too often in the past we've seen other teams come to Dens and enjoy playing at Dens better than Dundee, I'm afraid. Yeah. Another great thing is, John Nelms pointed out, there's a, there's a gym, there's a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. You can give them a light lunch and then say, right, get along a corner. Chuck them in the pool, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, a, there was a gym at Dens, but it was built to house greyhounds originally. <laughs> What's that? That's a story. All right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a big kind of modern modern gym and it's, it just opens up a, a few more doors for the coaching staff and different things kind of uh, cool down days maybe after after games you can use the pool now I don't think Dundee have I think they maybe sometimes used swim pools when Paul Hartley was there but it's, it's been that long since they've had any option to, to use a swimming pool for any sort of kind of training work so it's and, and there's there's all sorts of space there for them to use to, to whatever ends they wish tactical analysis and all that video stuff that the modern clubs like to do uh, yeah I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a huge step forward I was very impressed with the, the whole place when, when I thought there's still a lot of work to do which maybe I didn't take as many photos as George you've got like about 10 degrees you love an educational facility <laughs> don't you <laughs> 2 degrees so like it's the first one is useless but it's two uh, more than ever. <laughs> Just two more of me and Tom. From the from the tactical and analysis rooms seem seem an interesting one and seem a particularly important mm. one, particularly when you've got a, a new boss like Gary Boyer coming in, because you would assume that managing clubs of the stature of Blackburn, for example, that is something that will be have, have been part of his uh, daily mm-hmm. uh, work with his players. Uh, one would imagine it's such a big part of of management at a high level that. Uh, of all these things that we're dis- discussing the benefits of, you know, the pitches seem obvious, the gyms seem obvious, but I'm wondering if the tactical and analysis aspect of that, when you've got a manager like Gary Boyer, who'll have no doubt done that sort of thing before, could be a real positive as well. I, I would think so. I mean, they did the, they would do that previously at Dens Park, but whether the facilities were... <laughs> projector uh, yeah, on the wall. <laughs> projector on the wall of, yeah. of a hospitality lounge or whatever yeah. whatever space that they could get it into. Just sets everything up. Yeah, and also, go back specific. on the thing that said it's only 10-15 minutes travelling, but that's half an hour extra you've got mm-hmm. in your day because you're not travelling to yeah. your training pitch. You're walking off the training pitch, having your lunch, mm-hmm. and you can sit down for a meeting and whatnot. Yeah, and they, they can, and all the staff are, are there as well, so if, if they need to sort something out with John Elms or Gone Strachan or, or whoever that they can just go chap on the door and they're right there so. might not answer it George uh, they might not no <laughs> it's difficult to hide behind a glass door can, can I ask you what, what's the situation there with the regional performance centre at Keir Park are they still, are they still got that I think the, the academy so the they still get used to that the academy yeah. will still be using that okay. um, and, and the first team can use it if they want I if think they, if they're still the same uh, yeah. they're looking to put in AstroTurfs up at Gardine. Uh at some point 
but if they want to there use Hashtag Tough, they'll go there up is to one. There is one, but it's, 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 it's that's one the, Craig, the Craigie Hub. That's for the, yeah, yeah, that's connected to the school, I think. But it's, it's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. They, they can, can use it. Access to that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. But they'll look at it in a couple of... It's a fairy school, they probably yeah. play rugby, so I'll <laughs> Once again reveals these Dundee roots. <laughs> And in the midst of all this, good news is that it's largely lost, but possibly even more significant, Scott Robertson's quit his assistant manager's role at Forford, George, to concentrate even more yeah, on... Now, knowing Scott Robertson, how he concentrates more on anything, I don't know, because he's one of life's hard workers. Well, big time. I, I think he, he had a lot on his plate, I think, doing all, all the Dundee stuff and, and Forford on top. No, but I th it's also part of this move. He was up there when I popped up. He was up there working with Gregory Vigneault uh, already in place. I think they now get they'll now get more time with the youngsters up there uh, than they did before. So he's able to kind of focus on that, which is great news for Dundee because there's there's players coming through. And speaking to him uh, a couple of weeks ago, he says there's real potential in the the groups they've got at the moment. So hopefully, there's more to come. Just and of course, Bear contractually, I can't mention Scott Robertson without asking you, have you forgiven him yet? Um, <laughs> what are you talking about, Tom? <laughs> he did have a one spell in Tangerine. Yeah, he did. He did, but uh, he's back in dark blue, So, and he's obviously doing a good job. He's obviously impressed, impressing his mm. bosses enough to, for them to sort of, you know, take him on. And Dare I say, one of the recent mistakes that United made in a coaching sense were letting him and Craig Easton go yeah. not long after they joined. It was a regime change thing and these things happen but uh, so it was unfortunate rather than pointing the finger or the blame too much at United because mm. they were new and they wanted their own people but good coach yeah well and I think we're, we're starting to see the fruits of the academy term there's one or two players now knock from, we'll, we'll go back to the early in McPake's here mm. when, he, when, he, when he brought in Finn Robertson and you thought that's good but we've now seen Max Anderson we've now seen Josh Mulligan there's a few others that maybe I've, I've come in and they've been on loan as well, you know. So, yeah, I think there's good things happening, Tom. But there should be, every season, there should be at least one knocking at the door to, to get in and, and to stay in, you know, to get in. No, no just a sort of a fleeting glimpse. Yeah. Um, players that are capable of coming in and adding, because that's what it's all about. That's what, you know, there's no point in having an academy if you're not going to bring mm. some players through that are going to make a difference to the first team. And you get the benefit of them at least for, for a bit before we can sell them for some money. But, <laughs> but um, seriously, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It should be. It's one of the real po positives of James McPake's legacy. Of, I was just uh, going to put that to you because he's down your sort of neck of the woods, oh, you know well, Alan. Well, it's, uh, I think it's of people, uh, of young players that James McPake handed debuts to. I think uh, the com they're combined now 109 first team mm. appearances or something. And you, you can go through the list in terms of you know guys like Max Anderson, Finn Robertson, you know. Not it, since you and Smith have had a start like that. <laughs> you know, that's, but that's, in all seriousness, you know, it's another tick in the box that, you know, maybe in the fullness of time, I think the job James McPake did, while not perfect, will be appreciated in mm -hmm. terms of balancing getting a team promoted with bringing through these young players that he knew from his time in Dundee, uh, Dundee's youth ranks. And that's that's the benchmark. That's now, uh, as Bear rightly says, that's what needs to happen every season. There should always be one ready to go. There should be one ready to step up and, you know, make 10 appearances with a view to making 25 the next season. You know, it's, that's the way Scottish football needs to be when you're, when you're looking to, to, to kind of be a, 
a self-sustaining, profitable football club and, and balance that with success. Can I just say, um, before we move on, in years gone by, Tam, you remember this, when, when this, the leagues were, were bigger, you had two, two divisions. Mm-hmm. Basically, you had a, most teams had half a dozen games towards the end of the season where they weren't going to get relegated. Yeah. They weren't going to get into Europe. And that was when they the brought in a lot of the reserves, managed to get games at that point in time, and you were able to see, you know, just whether they were ready or not. You don't get that opportunity now. Yeah. Basically, these guys are thrown in, and they've got to hit the ground running. And for a lot of them, they just aren't able to do that, and they don't get the opportunity. Um, so it's important that the academy gets them ready for that step straight away. That there is no breathing space whatsoever. You will get your chance, and we've seen that at Dens. You know the young yeah. lads come in and they do do get their chance, but a lot of them can't handle. To be the fair, pressure to James McPeak, he, he rekindled that. Yeah, yeah, because he knew them from working yes. with them. But he had great faith, as Tom Courts did at United, and that worked both ways, Tom. Yeah, they they understood that they weren't going to get hammered if they made a mistake on the mm. park. He believed in them that they could do a job. That's why they were in the team, and you know a, a benefit of Dundee as we're seeing now. And it had been a long time since there, there was any. Player that came numbers, through. I mean, Cammy Kerr would, would have been the previous mm. one to yeah. Kerr and Whiten. Yeah, there's a big gap from them. It's, so it's, it's been something that's been missing that was missing from Dundee, but I think it's very much on the up. On a slight tangential link from the Scott Robertson story, I do have to express some sympathy for another former Dundee player, Gary Irvin, up at Forfar, because we're talking about mm-hmm. the, the work that goes into managing clubs at this level and obviously the workload that Scott Robertson had. Gary Irvin's another guy that puts in a, yeah. a hell of yeah. a lot of work and when you lose your assistant at that level, no doubt oh, you'll, you'll be looking to get someone else in, but for the moment, as he prepares for a new season, as you you consider the workload, because it it's a full-time it's a full-time job on part-time wages uh, at yeah. like clubs like Forfar and... Um, uh, yes, <laughs> spare a thought for him. It's good for Scott Robertson, good for Dundee, but uh, another challenge for, for Gary Orvin yeah. up at Pavafafa. Back to first team matters. Let's chat about... Oh, there hasn't been any signings so far. But um, <laughs> Den's legend, you wrote here, which is, is a, that, ra- a, rare yeah. mo- a rare moment of accuracy. For me, <laughs> oh, like Jim Duffy has maybe given Gary Boyer, in my opinion a message that he needs to know that there's no room for error because mm. I think as we touched on uh, the other week last week probably it was but my memory's not what it we've, was we've talked about it a few times Dundee in the success championship. in the yeah. championship for Dundee and it's good Dundee Dundee United Hearts Hibs is promotion anything else is failure yeah and, and particularly in this championship I, I would say when there's no Hearts and there's no Dundee United there's Previously, there's been Hibs and Rangers in that division. That Dundee are the big club, really. I was, I was chatting with somebody yesterday about who the other favourites for the championship title might be, and I, I, I didn't even think who would Cali Thistle would be up there. But I don't Thank think. Thank God you mentioned that. I was just going to say, Bear, do you think Billy Dodds no. by the start of the season <laughs> will have a blister on his finger from pinning up statements like there's yeah. no other big club? And hey, I'm not going to go at you. I've I've done it, but that's all the chat. Yeah, all I, the chat I in know. this city just now is who who should well, stop them. There's a lot of that, but I, I, but I, I, that I can't. Inverness, Inverness, good club. Yeah, they are. A, as much as Dundee fans will hate me for saying it, because they still I was don't also like them. Dundee's record in the Highlands is yeah, it's terrible. Great. It's terrible. Great. That's right. But uh, I would. Uh, uh, it's a mental thing again. Dundee will be regarded as a big club by, by most of their fans. Mm-hmm. But I would say Inverness, I would say 
Watch out for Patrick Thistle, you know, Ian McCall. Coming, yeah. Watch out for Morton under Dougie Embry. Mm, I'm not so sure about that. There is not so many easy games to be played. Is, what, oh, no, not, it's you're, terrible. You're not so sure about what? Dougie Embry? Morton. Uh, Morton. Morton, it'll be tough to beat. Oh, be tough. Close, yeah. enough, close enough to so, Dumfries for George to yeah. hate them. <laughs> you're showing your two colours there, George. Ha- something happened in 1953. <laughs> race no, race in terms of yeah. a, d- a decent close season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they'll be good but teams and they'll be really tough. They had, quite a, they had a decent spine already and signings like Dylan Easton yeah. are the, that's good arrivals and have a decent boss. But at the same time, compare all these clubs we've mentioned look at their squad list go online right now look at their squad list and compare it with the players that Dundee have retained from last season let's we're not going to sugarcoat things just to spare the feelings of clubs that don't want to be Mm. called underdogs Dundee should win this league at a canter they should well yeah if we're just talking about favourites no pressure (laughs) (laughs) if we're just talking about in terms of the bookies favourites Dundee are going to be the big favourites I would I would say that at least they should be at least as strong favourites as Hearts were, uh, maybe slightly stronger because Hearts did have Dundee, who didn't quite match up mm. uh, that season, although they still got promoted. But it's just just Hearts, a fact of life. Hearts under Robbie they were, uh, were a team that absolutely ran over the top of teams in the first third yeah. of that season. Mm-hmm. They ran over the top of teams and, you know, battered teams. They did that with United yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. it's whether Dundee can do that. Yeah, Dundee there's might, a plan for promotion. Dundee might it. go on the pitch, mm-hmm. but if, if they're not the sort of side that will absolutely, at this point in time, hopefully that will change under, will go and absolutely batter teams the way Hearts did and they don't have a prolific goal scorer in their ranks as it stands. Mm. Now, to, to get yourself out of that division, you're going to have to get somebody that is either banging in 15 to 20 goals a season or you're going to have to get the rest of the squad weighing in and if you look through the rest of that squad there's not many goals in them George so we're hoping that uh, there may be a bit of recruitment in there which yeah, will, and we're hoping that guys will step up to the plate we've talked about Zach Grudden before he scored he scored goals in that division before for, for Partick Thistle I'm sure if he gets off to a good start he can do that again but he needs help he needs help from others so yeah, the Dundee, Dundee are looking strong. As Alan said, if you look at the squad, you go, that, that in terms in of the, championship, the yeah. players they've got, mm-hmm. that's good. But it still has to win games. It still has to yeah. win games. And that, that, that can sometimes be a, that can sometimes be tricky. And Alan, Bear's point there about Hearts starting well, it's the benefit of that. You, you get a few points ahead. You, you put yourself in a strong position, but you also, in boardrooms around the championship, Patrick Thistle last year, if you've got a Zach Rudden or somebody like that at any club, come January, if you're six or seven points off the top, you might sell that player thinking, this is this is my, my backup plan uh, to, to get us through to next season, you know, get a bit of money in from a sale rather than say, well, we're really pushing hard for promotion here, we'll keep our squad together and hopefully get the financial benefits of promotion. I mean that's that's one theory. I don't think it's going to be top of the the no, priority list still, just at the moment. You know, it's a, a wee benefit. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that the key. And we've still got another five minutes to speak. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the the key benefit to absolutely flying out the uh, out the blocks will be to ease pressure more than anything because mm. we've discussed that already. And the expectations are through the roof. Dundee massive favourites. They'll be expected to um, be at it from day one and. If you can, I mean, to to take a comparison to last season, very different circumstances, but just as we're talking about pressure, Tam Courts, when he he, he took the the Dundee United job, people were 
desperate to, you know, a portion of supporters were maybe desperate to give it that I told you so, he wasn't the right man, this was all going to go wrong. Then you beat Rangers, you beat Dundee, you draw against Celtic. That's massive. That takes the pressure off, it lets you play your football. That's what Dundee need, albeit in a different context, different circumstances, but they need fans to be entertained, to watch winning football, to think, oh, deep breath, Gary Boyer knows what he's doing, this is a good side, and that lets Dundee play their football, gives them a bit of freedom, and if you go into September, maybe six, seven points clear at the top of the table, which, you know, ambitious, but not out with the realms of possibility if other teams are, are tripping each other up along the way, as I would expect to happen in the Championship this season then that's your main benefit of, of starting well because it just lets Dundee hopefully play the kind of football and play with that little bit of freedom that, that Bear talks about in terms of maybe being able to transform into a side that wins games comfortably, scores goals and does trample over people like the, the, the Robbie Nielsen's successful teams did. Yeah, and Bear, and the thing about starting well, it makes it easier if you have a dip. If you well, start, if you start okay and then have a dip, that word does, but, pressure comes yeah. in, in again. Uh, but what I was what I would say there's, there's, there are various ways to do it. You could you could you could rampage through the league like Hearts did and give themselves such a big advantage that, like we've talked about, other teams are almost by the time you get to Christmas are looking at playoff spots. They're not looking at the title. Yeah. Um, you could do it the way Dundee did uh, under James McPake and, and time the run absolutely perfectly when they yeah. hit top form around about March period and got in through the playoffs. Or you can do it like Kilmarnock did last season, but just eventually, you know, grinding, wearing teams down. I had to change their manager to do yeah. that. Let's let's hope mm -hmm. for goodness' sake that Dundee don't have to go down that route. But they got there, you know, in the end, and, and, and you know, even though it was sort of the second last game before that, they finally achieved it. They, they did it, and at the end of the day, Tom, it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as they do it. Dundee fans will quickly forget all about that and move on to what's in store in the Premiership in twelve months' time. Last word on that to you, George, because you've met the new manager and the words of Corporal Jones is a big thing. Don't panic. I mean, great if he gets off to a great start. If he doesn't, is the big thing. Stay calm. Yeah, and I think that's that'll be the benefit of having an experienced manager in place. It's I give you a great chance to say it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and you didn't <laughs> take it. I'm so disappointed. I didn't even you. see it. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, as a, he's long enough now to, to know. I think that it may take time for for his ideas to, to bed in. But we'll have to. I'm looking really looking forward to seeing what his team looks like. Actually, um, see what changes are made to the the way they play and, and new players coming in and stuff. We may have to wait a little while. I, th I think he wants to see the squad he's got in place before he makes any big decisions on incomings or outgoings. But so I think it'd be interesting because, as we say, the squad is largely in place that needs a bit of work. Um, interesting to see what he thinks of it, having come in from a, a different a different style of football, a different league. Good stuff. Coming next. Scotland are back. Let's get this down on record first. Why Armenia? Armenia, I can't even say it. <laughs> Never even, don't, still don't know where it is. Why Armenia aren't rated as one of the top international teams? <laughs> I was hoping you were going to have a go at pronouncing the names of the scorers and the boys that got sent off that I've written down. I th did you spell that right? Bakachian? Yeah. 
one of them's one of them's got nine letters or something in his name and he's only got one vowel and it's an A, which is the second last letter. And actually that was one of the easier names for the commentator to pronounce. <laughs> but it was uh, You know what you know what I liked about Scotland? Steve Clark came out and said which he often does, he just he just said the truth. He said, Of course we're pleased, but we're no we're not gonna qualify just by beating Armenia twice. There's still work to be done. And he went back and admitted because I I, would, I don't think I've been as angry watching a game on TV uh, for years as I was watching Scotland against uh, mm-hmm. and Dublin against Ireland. They were dreadful. I, mean, I, I texted the mate and said, Coach, he didn't fork out the fourteen ninety nine for a month of the channel whose name I won't mention. My wife did, I must admit, it wasn't me. <laughs> um, it was one of those, if you'd won your last 15 games, you someone still had to turn around and say, by the way, boys, this isn't acceptable. Mm. It was just dreadful. It, yeah, I think it was more, it wasn't acceptable, it was more acceptable the Ukraine performance because Ukraine are good. Mm-hmm. Ireland, I think we made Ireland look quite good. 13 Nations League games without a win until they played Scotland. Yeah. And they actually yeah. scored four times. Why they didn't have goal link technology, I don't know. It was horrible flashbacks to the Kazakhstan game of the yeah. Alex McLeish reign. That's the last time I can remember watching a Scotland performance where you start to think this is dreadful to the point of almost being comical in mm-hmm. terms of just nothing going right and yeah, just being swept aside by a team who you look at and go, they're not even that good. No. That, that's the, that was be, that would be the only comparison I can yeah. go back to. It was such a massive step backwards, and following on from the the result against Ukraine, uh, I, don't know, this, I don't know if this is supposed to be the positivity section. Considering <laughs> we're just off the back right. of a four-one win, but uh, it's those two results made it difficult to get too hyped about the, mm. the win in Yerevan. It's just yeah, not a uh, not an international break that we looked back upon with with any great joy from from my. Part, certainly. And Bear, I'll bring your goalkeeping knowledge here in. If you were behind that three-man defence in the recent games, would you be saying, <laughs> boss, can I get a back four? Yeah, it was... It was Especially if Tierney's not there. It was particularly disappointing in, in Dublin. I thought, I mean, the big disappointment for me over the four game was was the, the game against Ukraine. That was a real opportunity as we saw Wales go and beat them. I think Scotland on their day could have beaten them. I think Ukraine are a quality side. Yeah. But Wales proved that they were they were sort of beatable. But uh, yeah, the game in Dublin, it's, it's not like Scotland. Defensively, they were so poor. And prior to, you know... They were actually, ve- they were very poor in the first half yeah. against Armenia on yeah. Tuesday mm. as well. Yeah, they, they, they do. all over the place. They, they have looked pretty pretty shaky and it's, it's not, the road are luck in the, in the Armenia game, but against Ireland, a team who were really down on their luck. You could you imagine if Scotland had got their noses in front in that game, the fans yeah. would have turned and you could just, it could have gone completely the other way, but it never looked like happening. And we offered the Ireland encouragement when it was none, they had none at the start. And we gave them soft goals, and I, I really, Ireland started like the yeah. team that had hadn't won in thirteen games yeah. in that competition. But Scotland, I mean, as well as Scotland have done, and, and as as well as sort of Steve Clark has done as a boss, we are not Belgium. We are not one of these teams, Germany or France, and they've all lost games as well. I've got to say during this international period, uh, some of them, uh, we're not one that can go to Dublin and expect to win without turning in a performance. You've got to defend properly first and foremost. And you've got to do a lot more when you've got the ball. And we didn't do that. And there's various excuses for that. You know, the players have looked leggy throughout throughout these four games. And, you know, it's, it's been a hard shift uh, for, for a lot of them. 
but at the end of the day, it's you know it was a dismal performance. Now whether it merited the reaction that we got from some of the support about Steve Clark, I'm not I'm not of that. Ilk. I think Steve Clark has, has done enough in his time in Scotland and, and raised the bar for the national team that he deserves to be given a chance to at least get us through this this Nations Cup series, but also get us through the, the you know the the nation the, the Euros, the, the Euros yeah. challenging because we're what we we'll have done. I think uh, somebody's pointed out to me we're going to be in the second pot. Was it you, Tom? It was me last week. Yeah, right? absolutely. So bit of research. So that's where that's where the pressure will come because as we've said, the two teams will qualify from that group. So a wee bit of luck in the draw, and we should get us through. But I'm glad the one in Armenia could have been a, a, the knives would have been right out for them if we'd lost yeah, Armenia, yeah. and if it gone two down, anything could could have happened, you know. But Fair play to them. They dug deep and they showed that at the end Aye. they're a far better team than Armenia. Can I just say, Stuart Armstrong, fantastic. You know, I, I think we saw early doors in his, his career at Tannis, what the potential he had. He's now going on to realise that. Every time you see him, I, I see it. A, you know, a top, top player, thoroughly mm. merit of playing in, in the, the top league in Europe, I would say. Do you know, even the first game against Armenia, do you know what I liked about Stuart Armstrong? I bet if you went statistically, he's, in terms of keeping possession, yeah. he's by no means the best midfielder. Mm -hmm. But he lost possession in that first game at Hamden when they won 2-0 by playing the ball into areas where he was trying to create something yeah. and trying to hurt. Mm -hmm. He's dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. He's not one of these players, somewhat, he, he can run with the ball and he goes yeah. forward with the ball. Yeah. But you're right. He looks to do something with the mm, ball. Yeah. He looks to hurt teams. That's what, that's what it's all about. I, I was really surprised to see him not start in, in Ireland. I, I, he was the one, yeah. which I, I haven't always said about Armstrong in his career as a Scotland player. He's not always always done as much as I no. think he possibly can. No, but I just about didn't finish in Ireland because it was some challenge. Was somebody, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I can't yeah. remember who actually put the challenge in, but I saw it and it was mm. a really crunchy and sweet. But no, but, I, th I thought we were missing him massively yeah. in that midfield because yeah. they, they ran us and outfought us in the middle of the park. Our midfield was was really poor. I thought it was, it was really poor against Ukraine uh, as well. It just passed, and again, passed of course, through us, so. Of course, I remember him as a kid and he's a lovely lad. He, 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 he's a player I look for mm -hmm. on a Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe it wasn't a coincidence that before Christmas he didn't play every week for Southampton. He was on the bench yeah. lot second half of the season. So maybe he was that wee bit fresher yeah. than the, I thought. John McGinn looked a bit leggy, jaded mm -hmm. and leggy. I and he, he wasn't lazy because he's never lazy, John McGinn. But a couple of t a couple of his long range shots were I bet you five months ago at least once or twice he would have ran towards the box with the yeah. ball and he's it's played just, a lot of, he's played just a the lot way of you feel and I thought Robertson I, I thought Robertson had run his race you know yeah. three yeah. weeks before the, the end of the season don't like to talk about fatigue too much because obviously every nation at this stage is going through a level of fatigue but this window of games has been a, a little bit farcical you look at through it's all too the, many, eh? you look at Four through games. all the all the results and you look at the Absolutely tremendous four 0 defeat that England endured against Hungary, and it's there's. Oh, well, we're going to mention that before we finish. There's results scattered across Europe like that during yeah. this break, and it's not a coincidence because of this stupid Winter World Cup. It's, we've ended up with a calendar that's just ludicrous for players that are already probably playing too much football, particularly those that are at elite clubs. And I know people. Have sometimes have a, a split opinion on Andrew Robertson's performances for Scotland, but 
I think we can forgive him a couple of off nights because the amount of football he plays and the nature of his performances yeah. in that Liverpool side, mm -hmm. the way he needs to play every yeah. single week, God, you would be exhausted. So it's it's ludicrous that we're playing high-level international football at the end of a season like that. I have to say, were I Jurgen Klopp or Steven Gerrard with John McGinn, I'd sacrifice them potentially for the first couple of games of next season. I would, I'd be saying to them this week, son, I do not want to see you for a month. Mm -hmm. I do not want to you have at least four or five weeks off because I think that that, that would benefit them mm -hmm. but but then again uh, Tom I mean they've got so many players on yeah. their national duty ah, exactly I. <laughs> how many players is your going to have the formula is quite simple we'll pick the Scottish players and give them extra time off because we need we, we need our good players even more but I mean just to finish one of the one of the things that I don't think well you've been a manager at amateur level level <laughs> bear but very much so amateur level first rule of management Gareth Southgate when you're three 0 down at home to lesser opposition don't take off a striker and put on a centre <laughs> half in the last ten minutes <laughs> yeah he was getting in the neck wasn't he oh dear what a mis I mean it was the result was bad enough but once he did that but he, the majority of fans were actually leaving Molyneux when they were 3-0 down against Hungary. They started leaving at 2-0. And then the board went up and Harry Maguire's coming on for the Wysaka. And they all, I think they all rushed back <laughs> in just to shout at Gareth Southgate. I mean, I know what he was thinking, but he's experienced enough to go, I can't really do mm. that. Yeah. What, what are, what are, we're just a year ago we were in a final and now, yeah. we're, now we're holding out for a 3-0 defeat in the last five minutes. That's all we've got time for, this. it's good to end on a happy note. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or... Go to the telly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>